You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Michael Miller, our founder, was here this morning and um, just did a fantastic job sharing his heart. Um, y'all know that we're a, we're a plant from the original Upper Room down in Dallas. And something that... Um, is really incredible about the life of Michael Miller is that he is not a worship leader and yet he is. Like he, he doesn't like sing and play an instrument and yet he has deep revelation on worship and what corporate worship looks like. And uh, he coined a, uh, an acronym, uh, it spells out FUEL, which uh, stands for faith, unity, encounter, and liberty. And tonight, I want to jump into that. I want to talk about it, talk around it, talk through it, share stories. Um, but as we're getting into uh, talking about worship, I want to I want to share a little bit about who I am and why worship is so important to me. A little bit of my story. I was born into a family of Holy Spirit loving, I'm just not just churchgoers. We were, I wouldn't even call my parents just Christians. They were Jesus freaks. Like they were saved out of the hippie Jesus people movement and like came into the kingdom and I think they like overshot the runway. You know, like that's what my parents were like. And so we were going to church a couple times a week. Um, my dad sang uh, backup uh, and I actually had a dream about him last night. Uh, we were doing worship together, me and my dad. He's, he's still alive, but he sang backup for the worship team, and he was the sound guy. Sometimes on the same Sunday, he would be <laughs> back in the sound booth <laughs> adjusting all of the sound levels while laying down these, you know, fat harmonies. And... Um, <laughs> Much like Judd Gooden, have y'all ever seen Judd back there with a bass in his hand? He has actually run sound while playing bass. Such an awesome man. Man, Caitlin's a lucky woman, Judd. Okay, <clears throat> um, so my dad was super into worship. My mom was super into worship. My mom cleaned the church. And so I was, I just, I grew up in the presence. My parents had a small group almost the entire time of my, my childhood and so there were family, there were members of the church that were like family to me. Um, I, I remember being a, a young kid and, and falling asleep in my bed to the sounds of, of my parents and all their friends' praises from the living room coming through the wall. And I remember growing up and knowing like what it felt like when the corporate anointing came and the, or the presence of the Lord become, became tangible. Like you can describe it in, in any way, but it's, you know, every way we describe it falls a little bit short. It's like we know that he never leaves and he never forsakes, but for some reason when we gather together and worship as one, there's something special. There's like multiplied power and presence and joy, just a fuller manifestation and representation of the body of Christ brings about, uh, you know, a, a, an atmosphere that you, it, it just, you just don't usually get when you're alone. Amen? Does that make sense? And so I remember growing up in a church where we had, we were, it was, I'm turning 40 this year, guys, so I'm going to date myself here. The worst thing about dating yourself is you always have to pay for dinner. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, it was in the 80s, and our church, it was a vineyard church, 
And the Vineyard Movement, if you're not super familiar with it, uh, the Vineyard Movement is the reason why there is uh, Bethel, the Toronto outpouring, IHOP Kansas City, uh, Morningstar on the East Coast. So like Bill Johnson and Mike Bickle and Randy Clark and so many other incredible leaders uh, were part of the vineyard in the 70s and 80s and were, you know, were launched and they were marked by worship, by the culture of worship. And so in the 80s, my church was the only church in town that had a drum set, an electric guitar, and some dudes, you know, slapping the bass. And, <laughs> and people thought, like, we were crazy. I would tell my friends, like, oh, guys, church is so much fun. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, church is awesome. Come to my church. We have like a band. They're like, you have a band? <laughs> I mean, it was completely lost on them. Guys, we have come a long way. We've come a long, long way. Um, so I grew up in that kind of atmosphere. And um, one, of my, one of my earliest memories, uh, my, probably my, my first memory of church, I'm small enough, I'm young enough, I'm still in my mom's arms. Okay, which makes me probably like two or three, however early, you know, you can form a memory like this. But I, um, I'm in my mom's arm. She's holding me with one arm and she's working the overhead projector with the other hand. Y'all remember transparencies? Any like seriously old Christian, like you remember? Like, the, yes, my mom was good at those transparencies. She was ready in the verse, chorus, bridge, like, and so... <laughs> I'm in my mom's arms, and, um, and I, the, the band is singing a worship song, and I know the words. And I'm, as a little, little child, I'm singing you know, the worship song in my mom's arms, and I remember my mom starting to shake. And um, looking back, you know, in hindsight, I, like she was getting wrecked by the presence, or maybe she was just weeping because she heard her little baby boy like singing. Like, like that's my childhood. Like, worship is so so important to me, um, and I want to encourage you, parents. Like, keeping your kids in the presence is so important. And you might not think that you're doing everything right, but just keep on bringing them. Keep, just keep them in the presence. Uh, you have no idea what kind of seeds are being planted. I grew up um, almost, almost knowing the presence of the Lord like a child knows the smell of chocolate chip cookies. And like, if you grow up in a house where your mom's always baking chocolate chip cookies, like, let's say she makes chocolate chip cookies like every day, you get a little bit numb to the smell. You know it's there, but it almost becomes like a background smell. But the chocolate chip cookies are still great. They're always there. And then you grow up and you leave, you leave the house and you, maybe, maybe you have some wandering years. If you're anything like me, I had some prodigal years where like, I wandered off away from the Lord. And, and bear with me, this is a metaphor I'm working with with chocolate chip cookies, but... Um, <clears throat> I wandered, I, I, I did the prodigal thing, but a moment came when the Holy Spirit broke in when I least deserved to have him show up again, and I smelled the fragrance from my childhood. And all at once, um, all the memories came rushing back to me. And even though like, I was so delusional and almost given over to a reprobate mind and just lost, 
everything rushed back over me and just tears started to flow. And I was like, oh my God, you're real. I'm so sorry. I broke, and I broke his, I felt like I had broken his heart, but it was the, it, it was being exposed again to the fragrance of the Lord that I had when I was a child that made me, you know, fall on my knees back into the kingdom. And so I've been um, really, really shaped by corporate worship. Um, I'm, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but let me back up to when I'm 14 years old. And um, I, I really want to be part of the worship team. And so I, I start learning the guitar. Well, let me back up. I also just wanted it to look cool in front of girls. So I learned the guitar and I wanted to be on the worship team. <laughs> and so, uh, and as, as soon as I could, you know, like string three chords together, uh, the, the youth group, um, the youth leader threw me on stage, like asked me to like lead some worship for the youth group. And y'all know it, how that is when you're a 14 year old young man, like every other line is a voice crack and like, I'm just going off tempo. I mean, it was, it was ugly. Um, <clears throat> but up until that point, we had only been worshiping with CDs, which is okay, like it's fine. If you were worshiping to old vineyard CDs and children, like we're still coming to youth group and we're still getting encountered by God. But I learned the guitar and I could kind of kind of carry a little bit of a tune. And then uh, my friend Vincent learned drums and his brother learned bass. And uh, we had a, a girl in the youth group that started, um, she like had piano lessons years back and then picked up the piano again because we wanted to form a worship band as a bunch of 13 and 14 year olds. And we were horrible. I mean, it, it would make my ears bleed if I heard it today. But like, um, it, was a, it was a joyful noise to the Lord. But here's what happened. As we are releasing our own sound, our own worship, or even like occasionally like spontaneous lines would come out of us, manifestations of God's spirit began breaking out. We started to experience revival in our youth group. And our church was small. Our church was always, it was never bigger than like 100, like maybe 120 people at some of the like bigger seasons. And, uh, but the youth group swelled from like a dozen kids to 70 or 80 teenagers because uh, kids from surrounding towns were coming. They heard about the fire or like, you know, or they were bored of their church and their parents are sending them to our youth group to, to go and, and, and experience what, what was breaking out. And, um, and I just know that like, there's, there's no like formula. So like, I'm, I'm not trying to give you like, do this and you get that. But when we come to the Lord uh, with that pure song that's within us, it moves his heart in a way that no one else can. And yes, there's glory to like worshiping to a, a CD, but when you pick up an instrument and use your God-given gifts and like, and cultivate that history and that anointing and practice that gift and release your own songs, it can be, it can create the atmosphere where revival breaks out. And so, um, Okay, we're gonna get back to fuel here in a minute, but open up your Bibles to Ephesians 2.
All my life you have been faithful. Okay. Can someone, I know this is, this is fun, we're a small group so we can do this. Can someone read out loud Ephesians 2.10? Yes. So, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. How many of y'all have Bibles that say we are God's handiwork? Anybody? Huh. Yes, there's one. Is it like the New King James handiwork? I can't remember which one it is. NIV, okay, awesome. Well, uh, do we have any Greek nerds in here who, who know what the word workmanship is? It's poema. We are God's poetry. The reason why Music moves us the way it does. The reason why we resonate and reverberate with poetry and music is because it's what we're made of. God didn't just like make us into, he didn't just make robots. He sang you into existence. He's, you are his favorite song to sing. You're his favorite poem. Like the, the makeup of your soul, body, spirit, like the seen and unseen parts of you, your, like the emotional makeup, the giftings, the spiritual giftings, everything that about you is way more like poetry and song than it is just science. You are his favorite song to sing. You know, there's, there's things that we get about God through singing that we can never get through thinking. You guys have experienced this. It, you know, in, in upper room culture, we'll sing worthy, worthy, worthy over and over. I, I don't think it would be uh, an exaggeration to estimate that I've probably, since being in upper room, I've probably sung the word worthy a million times. And I sing it over and over, and I'm saying, you're worthy, worthy, you're the worthy one, there's no one more worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. And instead of me opening up a dictionary and reading worthy, you know, like what something is worth, you know, something someone would pay for something. Like um, <laughs> I'm singing like you're worthy and what's happening for some reason, science can't, scientists cannot explain why, why music does what it does to the human body, to the human mind, to the human soul. You can't, you can't break down why song does what it does, the effect that it has. But for some reason, while I'm singing worthy, worthy, you're worthy, 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 you're always worthy, no one more worthy. Suddenly, I can, it's as if I'm, I'm being marinated by that reality. My, my brain is being transformed to like understand in a more deep way what worthy means, okay? And that brings us to the letter F of fuel. So we'll, we'll which is faith, um, we start singing about his worthiness and all of a sudden like something around the word worthy begins to make sense and we think, Oh, you get, you get all the credit. There's, there's something about like singing to him like you're the only worthy one, you're the worthy one. Mean, it means that 
Jesus, you get all the you get all the credit for everything good in my life. Every crown that I get in this life, I'm going to throw at your feet. Every trophy I receive, I'm going to give back to you. And you start singing like. Uh, <clears throat> Crowns like confetti fill the throne room And I'm getting ready to throw mine down too Crowns like confetti just fill your throne room And I'm getting ready to throw mine down too And you start to have like this faith that gets authored in your heart about his worthiness and you see like, and of course, like maybe, maybe you get like brought into the throne room reality. Like I was just singing about from, from Revelation 4 and you're singing, you're the worthy one. You're the only one who's worthy to open scroll. You're the one who ransomed nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation by, the, by your blood. You, you purchase people for God. Like, and, and faith starts to happen corporately, not just in you, but we've all, been, we've all been singing worthy, worthy, worthy. And so Kristen is getting revelation on his worthiness and Anthony's getting revelation on his worthiness and Judd, we're all getting, Lizzie, we're all getting deeper and deeper revelation on his worthiness and suddenly there's faith in the room. The Lord has authored faith around his worthiness. And what happens in that moment is the next letter. It's unity, we all come into the unity of that faith or what the, the faith that the Lord is authoring in that moment and we sing it. We sing it over and over again and we all know what unity does to old Aaron's beard, right? Psalm 133, how blessed and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like oil flowing down the beard of Aaron and suddenly there's more anointing. The unity is, is so, so, so vital. Unity means that there are a bunch of humble people in the room who like gave up their right to be right or their right to assert their own opinion and we're just coming into, you might have come in here and thought like, I don't wanna sing about his worthiness. I, like, I don't think he is worthy of my praise today but you lay that down and we're singing of his worthiness and, and the Lord's like, that smells like humility. And suddenly more anointing comes because we've, we've, we've submitted to that reality that faith has been authored, unity is coming. Unity looks like this. We're a bunch of worshipers, right? Which means we're songbirds. And um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a vision earlier this week and I, I got to teach down in San Antonio and there were a bunch of worshipers in the room. And um, I had a vision when worship started up. It was the very beginning of worship and suddenly I, I just saw something in the spirit. You can call it, you know, God touching my imagination or whatever. I was, I was having a vision and I, each worshiper was now like a bird. And like, or there was like a bird hovering above each worshiper and every bird was so beautiful. Colors and and feathers, and it was like everyone was dancing in the air and singing their songs, and, it, and every single worshiper was so beautiful. And then a, a song came out. It was like a spontaneous song, and everyone started singing that song, and all, like in the vision, all the birds went facing the same way, flying the same way, and then and then all the birds started moving the exact same way, like, you know, and, and, 
And it looked exactly like one of those scenes that's usually like you see them like in, in the African plains, these massive um, uh, flocks of bird are all moving in synchronized motions. Have you all ever seen videos of that? It's really, really cool. You know, it, it's, it's so amazing. Just look it up. S again, scientists can't even explain how they're able to do this because a million birds can like do the same thing within like a millisecond of each other. It borders on like precognition or something. For some reason, they're all programmed to move by God like this. It's the most beautiful thing. And so the Lord started showing me like every single person's worship is beautiful and unique and wonderful. And you are a beautiful songbird and he loves what you do. But when we start to sing the same thing, whoo boy, is it a different glory released. And the whole atmosphere is filled with something to his majesty. Does that make sense, guys? That's the power of unity. And what happens, um, like, Without fail, yes, stuff like that. That whole thing is just whoo, swooping around. Judd, you are masterful. Um, <clears throat> so the unity comes, and every time a, 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 a corporate body comes into unity, it, like, it leads right into encounter. Like God can't, he can't like stay away. He's smelling all that unity, the fragrance of, of humility and our worship. It's not just my worship. It's our worship, like a corporate fragrance is arising. And encounters happen. I've, been, I've actually been in a worship service where um, the band is just like, just hitting it. You know, we get, we get to that crescendo and it's high praise and people are dancing and it's freedom and it's unity. And then the band stops, like almost train wrecks. And it, and it goes silent and we, we all stop, but... We know why the band stopped. It's because we've all smelled the exact same thing at the exact same time. And a guy in the back of the room goes, do you smell that? It smells so good. And the, someone on stage goes, we smell it up here. And the, guys, the fragrance of the Lord dropped in the room. It smelled like mountains and apples and spices and adrenaline. It smelled like adventure and like, oh, it was like the, the, the breath of the Shulamite or something from Song of Solomon. It was amazing. Like, and and we're, like, we're all just like getting encountered by the presence of the Lord. And someone on the, the worship team like shouts, the band strikes back up. And this dude who was deaf had his ear open. And no one prayed for him. And he is shout he's going the craziest, like noticeably crazy. And so like we, we're, we're, like, we're like, what happened, man? What did God do? And he's like, I couldn't hear. Like, you know, my ears open. Like he got his hearing in corporate worship. Because we like came to that place of faith and unity and encounter. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's not always a deaf ear opens, but you personally like get encountered by God. And what happens, what happens when you experience God? Like what is one of the most predominant byproducts of getting encountered by God? Joy, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm thinking where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Another word for freedom is liberty. And it makes the word fuel instead of foof. So... 
<laughs> and so faith, we, we've sung. <laughs> ah, so we, we've sung the same thing and faith is authored in our heart. It's brought unity. We're all singing the same thing together. We encounter God and then liberty comes. There's freedom. Chains are broken. Or maybe someone who has never danced before is suddenly running across the room and dancing and someone who, who their emotions have been locked up, they're weeping. In the presence of the Lord, you know how important tears are, right? When you, when you weep, it washes the witchcraft out of your soul. That's why they call it like uncontrollably crying. Control is witchcraft. Now, self-control is great, but a lot of us have learned how to stifle our emotions or we're controlled by other people's perceptions of us and we've shoved all that stuff down and we think like, oh, what, what happened to me is no big deal. Everyone experiences trauma. You know, just you know, put on your big boy pants, whatever. You shove those emotions down, but suddenly the Lord comes and says, no, look, what happened to you? I was there. I wept with you. And suddenly you're, you're crying for the first time in years. You guys have experienced stuff like this. Don't look at me like I'm the only weirdo. Um. <laughs> so faith comes, unity comes, encounter comes, liberty comes, and it's almost as if we, we just started all over. It's... If you, if you pay attention to a lot of our, our worship gatherings, this is the, this is the, tra- the trajectory. It's not, it's not like a hard and fast formula. It's, it's more poetic than that. You know, we're, we're moving into faith, unity, encounter, and liberty, and then like, and then the Lord begins to, we start singing something else. And we're like, well, that was awesome. We might as well try that again. And you start, you join in, you submit it's mutual submission. You know, the worship, the, the worshipers up here are constantly, um, you know, they're obviously working with their gifts and like staying on tempo and like doing all these things, but they're also like listening to the Holy Spirit and watching each other. And if someone sees the anointing land on someone or like they feel like they, they've got a song or a spontaneous, they defer and they, they sing that song and, and the band supports them and we support them. We're part of this. This is not a spectator sport. Like they're here to like just be be the leaders of everything that's happening with all of us. Like we're we're part of this. We're not just coming to Christian karaoke and like, you know, getting our card punched and going home. You know what I mean? Like we've done enough of that, right? We've gone to enough church in our lives and not experience God that we might as well try something different, right? Crowns like confetti fill the throne room. So you guys, we are God's poetry. We're his favorite song to sing. And when we we sing, I love that... uh, Alexis came up here and read from Hebrews 12 because it was something that I was going to bring up tonight. Um, you can see in Revelation 4 and 5 this incredible throne room worship experience. You know, John the Beloved gets this like, amazing uh, view into what, it, what it's kind of like in heaven. 
And, he, and of course, there's a lot of symbolism, but he's just overwhelmed by the glory and grandeur of what he's seeing, you know? And <clears throat> there are elders and angels and saints and these four living creatures covered in eyes and they're singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And every time the four living creatures you know, sing this song, the, the elders you know, on the 24 thrones, they, they're throwing down their crowns like confetti. You know, they're just, they're, his, his throne room is a sea of glass like crystal and it's this epic, almost you know, just n- never ending praise to him and um, and so we we know that right now there is a party going on in heaven and when we come into agreement with that party that's going on in heaven that party that's going on in heaven invades the room and and Revelation 12 talks about how we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses it's like a it's it's more language or more confirmation to what John sees in the throne room. I have, uh, I have a lot of faith based on scriptural evidence that, uh, saint, that saints that have gone before us have somewhat of a view of what's going on in this realm. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, there were a couple times they even come back. You know, <laughs> the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is up there with Peter, James, and John, and who shows up? Moses and Elijah. That must have been trippy. But like they came out of the great cloud of witnesses and were part of this moment. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. In fact, one of the uh, one of the most powerful uh, moments in upper room history, there's this um, just worship going on at one of our gatherings. It was when we were uh, down on, on Oak Lawn. And uh, it was a really, really, really special moment. And someone took a picture. I was trying to get Michael Miller to send me the picture so I could throw it up there, but he hasn't responded. But I've seen this picture. He's put it up on the screen before. Anybody seen this picture that I'm talking about? The, they took a picture of the service and up in the rafters, much like these rafters, there, there are these um, uh, clouds, almost like uh, smoke moving around and in, in the clouds you can make out a bunch of different faces of people up in the rafters. Y'all are looking at me like a cow at a new gate. I am not kidding. Gosh, I wish you would have sent that picture. I would have put it up there, but... Suffice to say, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and when we praise the Lord, like, they're our backup choir, or maybe we're their backup choir. I don't know how it works, but we have come into the praises of the, the king of the ages, from age to age, generations past are praising him right now, and when we praise him too, we are joining in with the party that's already going on. Often when um, these, these moments of encounter and liberty come, people do what seems to be insane things. It's just stereotypical of saints. When we experience the, the presence of God and, and you know, those undeniable encounter moments, extravagant things happen. Extravagant giving happens. Extravagant worship. Extravagant... Things like with Mary of Bethany. You know, he, she, she knew somehow that Jesus was going to be gone soon. She knew prophetically. 
And she barges in and, you know, you know the story. She pours out that alabaster jar worth a, a year's wages. It was extravagant. And what did the, the disciples around say? They rebuked her. They couldn't handle that level of worship, that level of extravagance. They said, why this waste? You know, this could have been sold for a bunch of money and money given to the poor. We could have started a homeless ministry with that, you know, check that you just stroked. You know what I mean? And Jesus, of course, then rebukes them and says, leave her alone. What she's done, she's done for my burial. And wherever this gospel is preached, what she's done will be told to. Or how about, how about David when he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem from Obed-Edom's house? Extravagant praise. They said it was like several miles from Obed-Edom's house back to Jerusalem and at every six paces they sacrificed a bull. Every six steps they sacrificed a bull. And then when David gets pretty close to Jerusalem, he he just loses control. He like th throws his tunic to the side and starts dancing in his ancient whitey tidies or whatever. Dances for miles. Miles of dancing. And we think, like this is a, like wild. Like this is a great Sunday. He, <laughs> I mean, he would have been just, whoa! just all around this room, you know, like <laughs> stage diving and <clears throat> well, what did, what did his wife say? David brings the ark back. He's in Jerusalem and he, and he goes up, he's going to like bless his house, his, his household. He's come through the door like, honey, I'm home. The ark of the covenant's back. And his wife is like, how you've distinguished yourself today in front of Israel you know, crudely dancing like this, you know? And, and David's like, I, I'll be crazier than this. Like, this is God. This is, my, this is like my, the lover of my soul, the good shepherd, the one who has, you know, led me by still waters into green pasture down paths of righteousness through the valley of the shadow of death. He's been with me. I fear no evil. Like, he is mine, and I am his. I'll, I'll be even more undignified than this. And it, it says that, that Michael never... David's wife, Michal or Michael or however you pronounce it, she, she never got to bear him any children. And I don't know uh, exactly how that works, if she was barren or if David just wasn't interested in her anymore. I just know that we don't want to be that. When people are experiencing freedom and liberty and worshiping extravagantly, we want to be like, Yes, Lord, what, let me feel what they're feeling right now, you know? And it's, it's like following the leader. You guys know what a bird dog is? Bird dogging? If you go hunting, I'm not a hunter, but I know things. And so um, if you go hunting with a, a pack of bird dogs, uh, they're all rummaging about and, you know, trying to pick up the scent. And when there might be only one dog that picks up the scent and it points it gets excited and it starts, none of the other dogs have picked up the scent yet, but they see this one. 
And so they get excited too, and they're pointing too. And then that one, the leader begins running in the direction of the scent, and all the other dogs, even though they don't smell anything yet, they recognize the excitement, the anointing on that lead dog, the one that picked up the scent first. So guys, here's what it means. When we're worshiping together, there might be someone in here who picks up the scent. You know, starts worshiping, gets excited. I, Vin, Vincent and I have grown up together. He, I pointed over there because that's usually where Vincent sits. It's not like his spirit haunting us. Um, <laughs> Vincent usually sits there and... Um, we grew up together, and there have been so many times in, in so countless worship services where, like, um, I see him, like, fall on his face and start weeping or whatever, and I'm like, I'm feeling nothing, but I'm going to go and do that, and I'll go, like, lay next to him. <laughs> and you know what? It, that kind of humility, I begin to feel the Lord in the same way. Or you see someone dancing, and you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like dancing, but and you, like, you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. You know, like the, the Psalms say things like sing to the Lord a new song or shout to the Lord. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say all of you guys that had enough coffee and are type A outgoing, shout to the Lord. <laughs> it's a shout to the Lord because he's worthy of us shouting together. It's humility. You're following the leader. That bird dog picked up the scent of the Holy Spirit, and even though you don't smell the Holy Spirit yet, you follow that lead dog. And lastly, in Ephesians 5, it says, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another or singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When we come together and sing, there is an intoxication, a joy, an ecstasy of the Lord that surpasses any earthly beverage effect. And It's amazing. Guys, we worship the Lord because he's worthy, first and foremost. But on top of it, he's so good that he reciprocates. And as we're we're pouring our praise and affection on him, he can't help himself. He pours his affection back on us. And we get messed up by his goodness. Amen? Can we just pray together? Faith, unity, encounter, and liberty. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. You're worthy. You're amazing. We love you. And we love how praise has the power to change our circumstances because you do things while we worship. When we raise, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands. And we want to lift up our hands to you. And when it's time to shout, we want to shout to you, Lord. When it's time to dance, we want to dance. When it's time to kneel, we want to kneel. When it's time to whisper our love to you, we want to whisper our love to you. Jesus, we want to respond to you, Lord. We want to be like Mary pouring out our oil. We want to be like David dancing undignified. Jesus. Father, and for for Upper Room Frisco, Lord, We want you to renew those signs and wonders of old as we gather together, that we would go beyond 
Even more, Lord. Yes, more, Lord. More. Jesus. I ask that you would make us all worshipers. In fact, right now, I just commission and endorse (laughs) and anoint everyone in this room to be a worship leader, whether or not you have an instrument in your hand or can carry a tune that goes on the radio. We just, I, I say that you are now a worship leader in the house. Sound good? All right, amen.